Tonight, our look into the cold case of the Oakland County child killer takes us on a road trip to North Fox Island in northern Michigan. Police were investigating a child pornography ring on the island back in 1977. Now, just months after three Oakland County children were killed and just weeks before another, Timothy King was abducted. The pornography operation was run by a man with ties to Metro Detroit, and police were anxious to find out if he was involved in those serial killings. Kevin Dietz joins us now with more on that. Kevin. Yeah, one theory in the Oakland County child killer case is that it was part of a group of wealthy pedophiles who were trafficking in child pornography. Wealthy pedophiles who were trafficking in child pornography. Wealthy pedophiles who were trafficking in child pornography. Welcome, everybody, to another edition of NWCZRadio.com, Channel 1's Down the Rabbit Hole. My name is Big D. I'm Brandon. And once again, it is fantastic to be here and have everybody along for a brand new episode. I have to admit, I'm sorry that I suggested this topic. It's interesting, it's intriguing, but it's creepy and disgusting at the same time, and it just really brought me down, honestly. Yeah. A little bit. I mean, because it's one of those things because just the stuff we're going to talk about, the Frank, he, he is messed up and that is horrible in itself. But then what it leads into after that um, just adds a whole nother level to it that it's like, wow. Well, and I think about all the things that we don't know about this, all the people that were affected by it who weren't followed, who weren't followed up on who yeah. affected them for their entire lives and probably affected any kind of family they had or kids they had. This stuff would follow them forever. We don't even know the extent of the damage that was done through all of this nonsense. No, not all. Because, I mean, there's one of those things, like you said, I mean, we don't understand what kind of, you know, what kind of vicious cycle it kept it going. I mean, you know how it is where a lot of times where sometimes abusers become, you know, abused, become abusers, you know, and keep Often. the cycle going. So, I mean, we don't know what kind of cycle this started. I mean, and how many, like you said, we don't know how many were really assaulted or how many were, you know, really killed and everything else. Yeah. So we're going to get into all of that in a moment. Obviously, we want to thank all of the outlets who carry our program. I want to thank you for listening and let you know that you can reach out to us at downtherh at protonmail.com, downtherh at protonmail.com. And I do want to start with a follow-up because it was a couple of episodes ago, we were talking about this mysterious email we got from a listener and that person has gotten back in touch with us. Yes. I didn't ask for his permission to get, I'm not going to give his name out or anything, but this is a listener who comes to us from Brussels over in Belgium. And he heard uh, several of our episodes, especially the one on the castle, the shot, what, what, what's the name of that castle? The Oh, I can't remember. I'm sure we pronounced it wrong. Well, that's the point. <laughs> that's the big. That's the big point of his email, yeah. is that we butchered names, and so over there, when they listen, they have a hard time understanding kind of what we're talking about, the with the Dutro affair, and the castle. Sh sh I can't remember. I can't even pronounce it now because I now I know he's going to get mad. But yeah. very kind, and he's offered to help us with our pronunciations for any podcast going forward that has any kind of Belgium terms or Celtic names. Yes. Which I'm sure I can use help on all the, I mean, I can use help on pronouncing just about anything. We figured this out already, but <laughs> he also says he speaks Breton and Irish, not too badly. So I'm still trying to figure out English. So, <laughs> 
<laughs> but it was a very nice email. It and, was. And I appreciate the fact that he reached out to us, and I'm going to uh, – I'll respond back to him shortly. But thank you, sir, from Brussels. We appreciate your feedback. And, and, and now I know why the first email was a bit cryptic, because obviously English is not his first language. Yeah. And you can even tell through the email that I think he was using a translator. But I uh, wanted to give an update on that because I know some people were curious, like, what was this mysterious email? And it, it was a mystery to us as well. But he has reached back out and everything's good. So on to today's topic. And what we're going to talk about today, and I was just talking to Brandon about this earlier. We've done episodes on Pizzagate. We did an episode on or two on Epstein, Epstein Island. We talked about the Mark Dutro case over there mm -hmm. in Belgium and a few others that have come up that involve elites, higher ups, politicians, very wealthy people involved in pedophilia or child sex rings. And every time we run across one of these stories, because as we've studied the Illuminati and we've studied a lot of these different secret societies, one of the things that is very apparent and common throughout all of them, or most of them anyway, is there is some segment of all of them that practice this heinous act. We've talked about adrenochrome. And we're always told, no, Epstein Island was a, was a one-time thing. The Dutro, that was a one-time thing. Anytime we run across one of these stories where a major ring of pedophilia is broken up, we're always reassured, no, 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 this, was, this is sort of in a time capsule. This is not a, this is not a broader or a bigger thing. Yeah. It's just one of those things. It just happens. It's a random. It's it's not. There's no big ring. There's nothing. It's they're not linked. It's just it's a one off. Right. The problem is, is we keep running into them, yeah. and there it doesn't take much to make connections to see that most of, if not all of these, are linked or they learn from one another. They might be in different time spaces as far as the years they took place some of them are obviously before the internet some are since the internet but there is this really dark disgusting underworld going on and it seems like every time we uncover one this idea that these pedophiles are these creepy guys who just kind of slink around in the dark they have major social problems and they're, they're just, they're like these disgusting slime ball creatures. That's what we've been taught. And I'm cert certain that they are there on the lower level. The problem is on the upper level, they are wealthy, rich, and powerful. Mm -hmm. And the same goes for this story that we're going to unfold for you today. And I ran across this quite by accident it was not something that was on my radar at all. And then one thing leads to another, and we end up with murders and priests and a magician, a super wealthy, and an island. And that's where we're going to start. If you've never heard of North Fox Island, that is right where we are going to start out at. And it's one of those things, this is one that, honestly, when you brought this up, I had never honestly heard of it. I had neither, because, so this happened in the early to mid-70s. When this was all going on, I would have been around 11 years old. Yeah. Again, there was no internet, there was no cell phones, there, were no, there was no texting, there, none of that stuff. Yeah. How this all came about is crazy that these people from all around the country could find one another 
and participate in this activity and wind up on this Fox Island, which is where this pretty much all started. I mean, there is a bit of a backstory on this, but the reality is, is that it actually basically starts on North Fox Island with this guy named Francis Sheldon. Yes. And what's interesting in this is this is one of those things where like researching this, where we've been told, you know, for years that, you know, the whole idea of, um, the internet is what, you know, caused this whole thing of what we have with, you know, pornography and everything else. And I, it wasn't, it was there long before the internet has just made it more accessible to everyone and more obvious, I guess is the word. Like everyone can see it. It happens where before it was the shady thing where you had to find the place and you had to talk to the right people and you had to end up in the right place. And, you know, there's a lot more to it. Now it's pretty much you can find anything on the Internet. Well, the other thing I found interesting is that we've been told all along with like Epstein and when we talked about Pizzagate about these symbols and about code words, which is what Pizzagate was all about. Pizza. Yes. And all these different code words for kids. Well, this has been going on for a long time. Because in Mm -hmm. this story, and in this sick world of these people, they use code words. A lot. A lot. And they had a magazine that they put out. And they had code word advertisements for what they were looking for. And where they could meet up and who they could provide for each other. And it is a sick and twisted tale. There's no doubt about it. Oh, very sick and twisted. I mean, it's just, yeah. So we're going to start with North Fox Island. So Francis Sheldon was a very, very wealthy man. He started this thing. Well, he bought North Fox Island. He, he bought the island. And he was, uh, he was a pilot. He, he knew how to fly planes. And the first thing he did on this island was build a, a runway, a landing strip. Yes, a plane and an island. Where have we heard this before? Yeah, exactly. It's, a, it's kind of this remote island. It's, uh, well, what was funny, too, is I read that he, he outbid the state. The state tried to buy the island first, I think, to make a park out of it. And they offered the lady who owned it like $3,500, and he came in at twenty grand. Right. So North Fox Island, for those of you who don't know, it's an island off of Michigan, mm-hmm. sort of, it's like sort of in between Michigan and Wisconsin. It's this remote, small little island. And yeah, he did. He outbid the state. He buys it. He starts this thing called Brother Paul's Children Mission. They wanted to, and they did, they ran this camp for boys. And they would fly boys yeah. in. All boys, no girls would come to this island. This was, uh, this was, under the guise of helping young boys who are typically between 11 and 14, although there's mm-hmm. been reports of some kids as young as eight and nine being involved yeah. in this. I'd actually read some where they actually went down as far as six. From what I saw, those did not go to the island. They were part of the Boy Scout troop and the... Okay. And there's a whole lot. That's the thing. There's a lot of different groups involved in this. It's not just the stuff they did at the island. There was the Boy Scout group. Um, there was the one, one of the main guys in this was a, a gym teacher at a Catholic school. Yeah. I well, mean, so there's a lot. Yeah. That's uh, Gerald Richards. Yep. So, so after Sheldon, uh, Francis Sheldon buys this island, builds a runway, and sets up this camp. The, this is all a guys. All of this is just a cover for bringing young boys in. And they, where have we heard this before? They immediately set up cameras everywhere. And this is in the 70s. And so from the moment the plane landed to the kids hiking and being in cabins and every, every single thing was filmed. And it was very nefarious how they got these kids to participate in certain activities. So each kid or like a small group of kids was assigned what they called a, like a big brother yeah. or their sponsor. 
and they would reassure the parents, oh, yes, this is, I'll just say this is Joe. He's very responsible. He's going to look after your kids. And they're in great hands because Joe's been working with, with kids for years, and that this was the stick. They would yeah. bring him to the island, and then Joe would let them go, and one of the other counselors would take them on a hike or take them in the woods or whatever and then touch them inappropriately and see how the kid responded. Yeah. And if the kid responded negative and went back to the original sponsor and said, hey, that guy touched me, then they would say, well, I think you maybe just misunderstood or I'll talk to him or uh, they would basically be absolved from any type of responsibility because they didn't do it. Yeah. And then if it should leak back to the parents, which was very rare at first, then the, the, he could say to the parents, well, we've dealt with it. We're sorry that happened. It'll never happen again kind of thing. And you got to remember, this was the 70s. The people were yes. very, much more trusting back then. They were. And that was what, you know, you beat me to it. That's exactly what I was going to say. Back in the 70s, they were a lot more trusting. And this was stuff you didn't talk about. I mean, it's like, you know, nowadays, there's a lot more people saying, hey, if you were someone did this to you as a kid, you can talk about it. Back then, you, you it wasn't something you talked about. No, you were supposed to actually not talk about it. Yeah. It was and shaming. Just, and yeah. you might get labeled. The other thing is, is that they were very particular about the families and the boys that they picked. Yes. They had a whole list of criteria. They basically had to be a non-religious family. Mm-hmm. They didn't want any religion getting involved. It had to be a broken home or a fatherless home or an absent father home. Or if the father was in the home, he needed to be an alcoholic, a workaholic, somebody who was absent, not there, and potentially what they were looking for was an abusive father. Yes, so the the men could use that to their advantage to become a father figure to the children, and they would be less likely to talk about it or say something to someone else, you know, if they were being, you know, they might even think that that's how it was supposed to be. You know, yeah. Well, they would even they would even cozy up to the mom in the sense that they would say, "Look, we know things are rough at home, and he really needs a father figure. He needs a big brother type. Mm -hmm. We know your husband's not cutting it, and we're not sure why you're staying, but that's none of our business. But we're concerned about your boy. Yes, and he really needs to learn some manly activities and go camping and learn how to hike and start a fire and all this nonsense. Meanwhile. The boys who didn't revolt or repulse or balk at the advancement, they were immediately funneled into getting their pictures taken. They, they would, I don't, I, there was some very little bit, but there was some video being taken. Obviously, there are cameras everywhere, but every counselor had a camera. Yes. And that camera was for taking photos of boys and specifically in compromising positions and also in sexual activity. And the boys who participated got better meals, they got better accommodations, and they, they actually got stuff. And the ones who didn't, well, they were, you know, they were kind of out of the loop as far yeah. as being on the island was. And worst of all, these scumbags would fly in politicians businessmen rich guys to participate in these activities on this island you know this is really sounding familiar again really really is you brought up this guy named gerald richards mm-hmm. and gerald richards was uh, a gym teacher like you said at this saint joe's in port Huron, and he was a masseuse as well. He worked at an adult bookstore. He was very much into Wicca, Wicca or Wiccan, and his big drawing point was he was a magician. And it's kind of weird. It's kind of reminiscent of John Wayne Gacy. It is because he had this like pinto wagon that it said Gerald the magician. 
He had this act. And one of the weird things about this guy is he wasn't very tall and he looked like a boy. He looked way, way younger than he was. Yeah. And he would do parties. He would go around to schools and he would do this magic act. And part of it was he had this constant stream of, quote, assistants. And they were always young boys. Go figure. Yeah, so he would groom these boys. He would bring them in as an assistant. And it was the same criteria. They were from broken homes or they were like just kids running around the block who were kind of aimless, didn't had nothing going on. And he would intrigue them with these magic tricks and then ask them if they wanted to be an assistant. And at first everything was A-OK. And then pretty soon he's hugging them, telling them how great they are. And then one thing leads to another. And then they become a victim. So he gets hired... This guy gets hired by Francis Sheldon because they become connected. How do they become connected? Well, there's this magazine that when Gerald Richards was working at this pornography shop, he became aware of this underground pedo world, and it was big bucks. So he would take pictures of these boys and then he would advertise in this. It was called Better Health Living. Which, I saw that. It was some. Yeah, there was a couple of them. Yeah, there were two or three of them, and he would advertise in there, and, and it was all coded language. The whole magazine was a pedophile magazine, and it was all coded language about how how to have a better life, better healthy life. He would take photos, take rolls of photos of boys, and then mail the role of photos to to whoever paid him knowing that the u.s post office they won't open a package that has a roll of film in it yeah because back then you could just mail a roll of film to a developer and they would develop and send them back we it was a whole different time we used to have little huts that you drive up to and drop off your rolls of film yep you come back yeah, you come back three or four days later and they'd give you your packet of pictures or you could mail them in. They had these pre-addressed uh, envelopes. You'd drop it in, throw it in the mail, and then your pictures would come in. That's what he was doing. And that's how he got hooked up with Francis Sheldon because Francis Sheldon was one of the guys who was buying from him. And they started corresponding they finally, they met up and Francis Sheldon said, I think I can use you. I think you, you'd be great for what we have going on over here. This is my plan. And so, yep, Richards agreed and off he goes. And so he becomes one of his primary recruiters for this North Fox Island. Yes. And while this is going on, nobody's talking about it. It's almost basically like a honeypot situation because they would bring in these high profile politicians, these businessmen. And like we said, cameras everywhere and they're taking photos of all these guys. So they're on easy street. Nobody's going to come after them. They have everybody who's anybody caught on camera. Which I mean, is one of those things that we talked about. Like, you know, when we did talk about Epstein, we talked about the fact that, a lot of people feel like the reason why a lot of people don't come forward and a lot of this was swept under the rug with Epstein to begin with was because there was pictures or videos of high, you know, high up figures within, you know, the government or whatever that he didn't, they didn't want to come out. And there's a lot of people that feel the same way with this situation, the North Fox Island, that a lot of politicians, and a lot of that other stuff was high up figures that nobody wanted to, you know, didn't want to come out that they were pedos. So they, you know, they, they swept it on the rug and made it go away. Right. And when we talk, when we say this Francis Sheldon, Francis Sheldon was connected, he was the descendant from a governor of Michigan. He went to Yale. He had a master's in geology. He had a ton of money. Apparently, I saw a couple of things that said, it was believed that he was a member of the Skull and Bones. He was also in the Civil Air Patrol. He was in the Michigan Air National Guard. So he knew what he was doing, and he was very well connected. 
And he was Very also nice. he said he he gave a lot of money to politicians and to the arts and so he was well thought of in the community. He had won several award, community awards. Oh yeah. I mean, he was very, here, here comes that word that we use all the time with these people, really very philanthropic. So, and when you're that much, you know, a philanthropist, you can't be a bad person, of course. Right, because it's all a huge cover. Mm-hmm. One of the boys, or uh, it started with one, and then it started snowballing. One boy in particular went home, told his mom what happened. She was appalled, and she actually called the cops. That was the first chip in the iceberg. The cops came and interviewed the boy. They went and interviewed Sheldon, and they could see something was going on, but they weren't sure what. They had no idea what was going on here. What they did was they decided to go in after this Richards fellow because he was the one in particular that the boy pointed out that had done the most damage to him. Yeah. I think it was that he'd done the most damage and that he was the one that got him to the island. Yes. Yeah, he's the one that talked to his mom and said, oh, everything's great. It's all going to be okay. So the cops went and raided Richard's place and they found in his basement, he had, uh, it wasn't quite a dungeon, but he had taped up all the windows with black film. He had a couple of benches around that were set up for photography and they found a whole bunch of photos. Yes. Now, while this was going on, Sheldon was tipped off about this, and now he's panicking. So he shovels all of his money into this guy named William McConaughey, later known as Adam Starchild. And yeah, that's like one of, I think, I found, I think, almost close to 10. Of his names? Names, uh, names for him, yeah. <laughs> oh, he was, a, he was a terrible human being. Oh, yeah. He was this guy who wrote books on investing and taxing, you know, escaping taxes, how to live in Canada tax-free, and he knew all about offshore investing and everything. So Sheldon tells him, here, take all my money and get it offshore. Then Sheldon gets in a plane, flies away. And a lot of people think Jerry was the one who warned him. And I, heard it was, he was and I also heard it was Jerry's wife. Yeah, like either way, it was when Jerry suddenly got, you know, raided, he was, you know, almost immediately Sheldon was warned. Right. And what I heard or, or what I read was that Sheldon's wife, who knew nothing, she she was completely blindsided by this. They had no, no clue what was going on, which I find hard to believe. But, hey, yeah. that that's the report that when the cops showed up and were checking the place out and they had. Uh, Richard's, you know, going through the house, she called Sheldon to say, do you know why the cops are here? And do you know what's going on? And, and he told her, no, I have no idea. When in reality, that's when he no, put he, his plan into motion. Yeah, he knew everything that was going on. And one thing too, is like we keep mentioning, this was the 70s. I mean, there was no internet. And I mean, the, the family dynamic at that point was different than it is now too, where it was really the, the nuclear family. The husband went to work, he did this stuff. The wife stayed at home and cooked and knew her place. And I think that, so, I mean, I think there's, I think she had to have wondered something, but I don't know. And when I say knew her place, that was the thought then. I don't believe yeah. that thought at all now. But, no, but that was very common then. She wasn't yeah. allowed to go in the basement. Yes. I mean, that was, you, you go back and you look at, you know, Gacy, you mentioned earlier, that's where he had, he had his garage was like, you don't go in my garage. And I've researched a lot of serial killers where that happened, where all of a sudden, they, you know, the wives are like, I had no idea what was in that room because I was never allowed to go in there. Yeah. Didn't we talk about one serial killer who brought them home and went up to his attic while his wife and daughter were home? Yeah. And they had no idea. Yeah. I think that was the... So that's the Chicago Rippers? I don't I can't yes, remember. Yes, it was the Rippers. That was the Rippers. Anyway, I, I want to zero in on this guy, this Adam Starchild... Uh, Malcolm McConaughey, whatever his name was, because this isn't just some random guy he looked up in a phone book. This was a guy who was involved in all of this nonsense. Yeah. He was at one point an assistant scoutmaster with Troop 27 in Minneapolis, but was suspended after admitting homosexual interest in boys in the troop. 
Then he also was arrested for various sex crimes, check kiting, forgery, bank schemes, fraud, and all kind of stuff. So this guy was part of this pedo ring. He was one of their guys. Yep. He was involved in charitable organizations, and this is where it gets really creepy. The, he was involved in church that he started with a children's camp, an educational fund, an Ocean Living Institute, and all these crazy things. And these guys even started a quasi-bizarre religion. They did, and it, it, but it's a lot of the stuff that I found reading it was the reason why he did was it Taxes. was more the financial side. Taxes yeah. and financial. And really, they weren't trying to start a religion. It was just the finances. And the, I mean, I guess there's even a quote from him saying that owning that island was going to be, you know, kill him in taxes. But then once they got the, you know, the the everything all figured out, I mean, it became, you know, a tax shelter was a lot of that. And I think a lot of that came from, you know, Adam Starchild, that that was his brainchild. One of the magazines that they would advertise in was called Better Life Monthly. And it was advertised as a paper with articles, photos, poems, etc., relating to the subject of boy love. And it had ads which, which put you in touch with others of like interest. On a, just a side note, very interestingly, one of the guys who got busted in later, the later part of the story, the cops made him take out an ad using their language in this paper. And I think they busted 11 people who corresponded they had they told him to bring photos of so they, they were going to swap photos this, this was this underground ring they would swap photos of boys and you know what they were doing with boys mm -hmm. and so they had them set up a hotel rendezvous with these guys and they would swoop in and and bust them but it That's was good. all it was all through this magazine yeah, I mean, it's just, it's sick. I mean, it, it's all sick. So it goes to show that, uh, you know, them, the, the police doing that was long before the internet when they started doing that. Yeah, that, and I think that's the whole point of what we're talking about here is that this sick nonsense, this abuse of boys and, and girls, just and young kids in general, this goes back a long ways. Oh, it does. I mean, this this just happens to be in the 70s, and we could go through stories that are even further back and further back. Yes. I mean, you can go all the way back to Moloch and the sacrificing kids, but specifically the pedophile rings, a lot of people believe this is new. This is new news. That, like, this is just now coming into the light. No, no, this stuff's been going on for a long, long time. Well, it's been going on for a long time, too, but I think what a lot of people don't realize is when the farther back you go, it's just called different things. Um, you know, I mean, it's, you know, basically a dowry if you go far enough back, you know, where parents would just pretty much sell off their children, you know, at young ages, you know, and stuff like that. It just, it depends on where you're looking at and what you're looking for. Um, this is, yeah, it's very well, well known. Well, and sadly, that still goes on in many countries to this day. Yes. I did find this interesting. This is from 1977. This is Marilyn Wright. She's an author. She was a, a, a reporter, and she did a lot of work on this story and others like it because this was going on in Tennessee. It was going on in New Orleans. It was going on all over the place. Yeah. An opening line to this article, she says, the enlarged picture of the child pornography racket is brought into focus the image of the, quote, typical child molester fades into the background. In place of the dirty old man in a trench coat can be seen an intelligent, well-educated male cloaked in respectability. He could also be an astute businessman who uses tax dollars to support his perversions and line his pockets. He might be the family priest or a scout leader or a big brother. He could be a child counselor, school teacher, camp director, or probation officer. He could even be a millionaire. And then it goes on to describe a lot of the people that they busted on this. And it's shattering this idea that these are all just, like I said, these kind of 
scumbag dudes slinking around who never shower and you can pick them out a mile away like the Jethro Tull Aqualung song. As this thing starts breaking down, Sheldon leaves. He gives his money to his buddy who's involved and he eventually had to sue that guy to get his money back and Sheldon never faced charges. He's dead now, but I don't remember where he died. It was like 96, I think, in Amsterdam was what I saw. Oh, right. That's right. He went there because he knew they, they rarely, rarely, rarely ever extradited anybody. Yeah. And this creepy Adam Starchild, he died in Spain. So everybody got out of town, with the exception of the Patsies. And one of the Patsies was, of course, is Gerald Richards. Gerald Richards did go to jail for a little while. He got out early, and shock of all shocks, he did it again. No. And that brings us to, and I encourage you to go deeper into the Fox Island thing because we're just giving you the highlights like as we normally do, but it's, mm-hmm. it's much deeper than that. But there's a, another side to this story that is so disturbing. We want to give it some attention. Yes. Around this time, the first disappearance of this guy named James Davidson. He was the first of, I believe, it ended up being four kids, correct? Yes, it was four kids. It was 77. Because it's one of the things where they, they tie a lot this to this is that it happened after yes. everything had happened on North, North Fox Island. Right. According to this article, police are investigating a child pornography ring on North Fox Island in 1977, just months after three Oakland County children were killed and just weeks before another child was abducted. And that child eventually died as well. Yeah. So it was happening during like the, everything was happening together, you know, where a lot of the stuff was coming out about the Island, you know, and everything else. And then the kids were disappearing. So it's kind of, there's a, they're, they're mixed and intertwined because they're right in the same areas. And, once you start going down the rabbit hole of the people that are blamed in the 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 snow the, children the, the snow children who they you know the suspects all tie back to the north fox island and they there's things that they find eight millimeter tapes they find stuff that once again goes back to north fox island yeah, so I'm reading from this is channel 4 out of Detroit this was uh this was their one of their original reports on this and they say one theory in the case is that the pornography ring was a part of a group of wealthy pedophiles who trapped child pornography and groomed underage kids massive investigation of two people frank sheldon of gross point who owned much of northern fox island and jerry richards a teacher in port huron who recruited boys to fly there on field trips sheldon fled the country was never prosecuted richards was prosecuted for child pornography and has since died Investigators do not believe either man is the Oakland County child killer, but they do believe the killer could be someone they victimized. And I thought that was interesting. So that is one theory. Yeah, there, there's theory that the person who did it, but the, it's interesting to think about that, though, because the problem that you'd run into, but they would be 14, 15, you know, if it was someone right in the beginning. And I mean, and that's my problem. Have- I, that's where I'm not buying that. Yeah, and the thing you would have to think of too, but you could also think that, you know, the North Fox Island wasn't, probably wasn't their first time. They already knew what they were doing. They'd already probably done this in the past. So it might be someone that they had victimized and maybe even brought into it with them, you know. There's no doubt that they were doing this before Fox Island started. That just became, when they bought that, they they were wringing their hands with glee. Because now they could move it to the wilderness in private. Nobody could even, they had to fly people in. Before that, they had to do it, you know, sneaking in their, in their house and uh, go to a hotel and hope nobody asked what was going on. They would do it at church. They, would, they did it at the Boy Scouts and they were sneaking around. But when they got the island, uh, all pretenses were dropped. Yes. I mean, they, they'd been doing that before. That wasn't a new thing. That was they knew what they were doing when they bought the island. Right. So so these four children, these four poor kids who were who ended up dead, they became known as the Snow Children. Yes. And the reason is is because 
they were abducted, they were sexually assaulted, and then they were meticulously cleaned, mm-hmm. sometimes even washing and pressing their clothes. Yeah, they were, they were cleaned, like bathed, redressed. And then and just then dropped off in the snow. Yep, dropped off in the snow. And but the weird part is, is and and part of the reason why a lot of people think that goes back to also that North Fox Island, like we'd mentioned, North Fox Island was you know hundred percent boys. They wanted boys. Um, out of the four kids that were abducted and killed, two were boys, two were girls. But the girls, there was no evidence of sexual assault. Right. So I, but you have to wonder. Yeah, you have to wonder if that was a cover mm-hmm. to throw the investigators off the trail of the pedophile ring. Yeah. Specifically the pedophiles, you know, for boys. One of the guys who they zeroed in on as this killer was a guy named Christopher Bush. And Christopher Bush was a known subscriber to the pedophile ring. And this guy's interesting. And I say that because he had a lot of connections. He looks like a mountain man. He looks like he looks like a scruffy dude. But this guy attended the Lirosi boarding school in Switzerland. And while he was there, if you look at other people who were going to that school at the time, he was rubbing shoulders with some of the most powerful people and elites in the world. Yeah. At this school, while he was there, there were some Rothschilds, there were some Rockefellers, there were some DuPonts. Some Gettys. Any of these names ringing a bell to anybody? Not at all. No. Yeah, Albert King Albert II of Belgium attended this school. A lot of high society, and I would say beyond elites, possibly Illuminati families, attended this school. Yeah. His father, this Chris Bush... His father was the executive financial director for General Motors. So he was very high up. And I mean, during that time, General Motors was like king. I mean, in Michigan, I mean, even in the U.S., General Motors was king. You know, to be that high up in General Motors, you might as well have been a king. Oh, yeah. He had the audience of anybody, any politician, president, world leader. He was uber-connected. Yes. They zeroed in on this guy, and there's a lot of evidence that if he wasn't the outright killer, he was one of them. There's a few other characters that are also involved, and you probably know more about that because you really went down this rabbit hole. I did. I mean, it was one of those things with Christopher Bush. There was a lot of things. None of the physical evidence points to Bush, but a lot of the other evidence. Circumstantial. Yes, the circumstantial. Because one of the things that people who does have, there's a James Vincent Gunnels who actually his DNA had a mitochondrial match to Harris found on one of the, the dead children. But he would have been like 15 at the time. But he is someone that is very well known to have been assaulted by Christopher Bush. So a lot of people think that maybe Christopher Bush was actually the killer. And he used Vincent Gunnels as his, you know, the person to lure the kids in. Well, another thing that Bush had that it shows that he was obviously involved on some level is that when they raided his place and they were questioning him, took a look at his stuff, he had drawings of what everyone, all of the victims looked like at their death on the wall of his apartment. These, yeah. these hand drawings of these kids. Mm-hmm. And he says, oh, no, it's just a coincidence. But if you look at the photos of the drawings versus the photos of the kids that were missing, they're wearing the same clothes, same hairstyle, and it's pretty obvious. Yeah. Well, part of the problem is, too, though, is that you know for Bush... Um, when they found most of that stuff, it was because they were going through his house because he committed, died from suicide. Well, that's what they say, but I don't know but about yes. this. Uh, I, I think he, I, I think he was suicided, like Epstein. Yes, but yeah. 
Because according to the records, he was shot between the eyes with the twenty-two rifle, but he had no gunpowder on his hands. Nope. He was tucked into bed. Yes. And so how do you do how do you how is the rifle left on top of the covers when your hands and everything and you're tucked into bed with the with the sheet was all the way up to his neck and he was like tucked in. Yeah. Almost like and a, there like, was no blood splatter. No. So if he was shot and killed, it was somewhere else. So if he did die from suicide, he did that, then somebody put him in the bed. So this is where I get into this guy named Richard McNamee. First officer on the scene at this, quote, suicide was Richard McNamee. It's M-C-N-A-M-E-E. He would, lay, he would later be convicted of molesting kids. Yep. This guy. He was the first one on the scene, and he's the one who said, oh, yeah, that's obviously a suicide. And so <laughs> you have to wonder if he's not the one who killed him. Yeah. That would be my guess. But it's one of those things, I think if he, he had killed him, because it's one of those things that a lot of people think he was killed to, to shut him up. Because they thought that he was about to get busted for a couple other things because he was being investigated for some other uh, assaults. And they thought he was about to get busted and that he was going to, you know, bust the lid on everything. So just like, you know, once again, somebody else that sounds familiar. Well, and there's also the, the lid. Yeah, there's also the charge that the reason he was protected for so long, especially, and there were really no charges. He never went to jail or, or anything is because of the connections that his dad had. Yeah. Very much so. Because there was like him and if there was another one, Gregory Green, um, were both arrested and charged for like the same things. And Green went to jail for years. He was sentenced to life in prison and Bush got probation. Yeah, gee, I wonder how that happens. Yeah, and Bush got probation, and that was for the sexual assault of the James Vincent Gunnels that I just mentioned. So, yeah. So there's a and there's a bunch of stuff like that where you go through, and this is one when you start getting into like a lot of this stuff of, you know, the investigation into these murders. There's a lot of weird stuff like that that doesn't add up. Where the police, you know, suddenly stopped looking at a lead, and what's funny after Chris. You know, they keep saying Christopher Bush wasn't the person, but after he died, the investigation suddenly stopped. Well, part of the problem, too, back in this time when this was all going on, they had no way to use DNA. And it was all basically what they call boots on the ground investigation. There's a lot of evidence and there are a lot of charges that this thing stunk all the way up to the top of yes. the police force, that there were a lot of people in the police force that were high up that had been to North Fox Island. And, yeah. had and they be- were worried that if Christopher Bush started talking, that names were going to come up that didn't want, no one wanted to come up. Yeah, does this uh, sound familiar to any recent story? No, not at all. Not at all. There's supposedly a list, too. There was supposedly a list of sponsors, was what they called them, for North Fox Island that um, I've never been able to find the names. No, I haven't either. Uh, I've read multiple articles. That, in fact, I have a website that uh, cataloged a lot of the website, uh, a lot of the articles in real time from when it was going on. It's like in succession. Yeah. And they talk about, it comes up a couple of times about this list and then it completely disappears. It's never brought up again. Yeah. Well, most of the parents of these poor kids are have passed, but they still have brothers, sisters who are trying to get to the bottom of this. The Oakland County child killer, the Snow Children, however, however you want to get to it. It's a really sad story. The fact that these these four kids who died, no one's ever been charged, no one's ever gone to jail for it. It's still a mystery to this day as to who the killer was. Yeah. 
But the reality is, is that this all started, it, it sort of ended there because once they started bringing in these suspects and these characters and, and, and unraveling exactly what was going on, everyone was completely shocked. And as yes, to even, much. yeah, and how deep it went, it went into churches. It, like I said, it went into Boy Scouts, it went into schools, it went into boys' homes. It, it, went, it, it was so pervasive in the society and nobody knew about it. And then it really ramped up when they all were flying these kids out to Fox Island and they were winning awards for helping kids by taking them to this camp out at Fox Island. And they were seen as really great role models and this Francis Sheldon was you know, handing out money like candy and everyone thought he was great. And underneath the surface, like just around the corner, massive yeah. pictures are being taken all kind of abuse is taking place. They're selling this. The people are requesting, they're getting requests from around the world in the mail as to what kind of photos they want. Yeah. They would even sometimes, if the person was wealthy enough, they would arrange to fly them in and have a certain boy there for them. It was absolutely disgusting. I have a hard time wrapping my brain around this is that we always find this out post all the problem. Oh yeah. And we just haven't heard about it. It hasn't been broken up. It hasn't bubbled enough to the surface to where we know for a fact it's going on, but it is, you just know it because this is not a one-off event. we we go through this, Every now and then we run across this and we're always told, nope, that was just a Michigan thing. Nope, that was just an Epstein thing. Nope, that was just a Dutro thing. Nope, that was just, that yeah, was the Boy Scouts. Ah, it was the Catholic Church. You know, it was just in a microcosm. It, it just happened. And it's not, because I mean, I just did a really quick search, just put child pornography arrest. First thing that pops up, February 17th of this year, 28 children rescued. 59 adults, adults arrested in Dallas-Fort Worth for a child pornography, porn investigation. You know, I mean, you can, you know, Maryland mayor arrested on 56 counts of, you know, child porn. Child porn ring in L.A. busted. I mean, you look it up, and there is just one after the other. And I don't understand why. I guess you, you have to blame the media or whoever's controlling the narrative. Why this is back page news. Why it, it's not a constant in the news thing. This is horrific. It's awful it because it destroys lives. It destroys communities. It destroys generations of people. Yeah. And it makes me wonder if, because it's the elite involved, it's the rich, it's these businessmen, it's these politicians, if that isn't their goal. I think it is. I mean, it's one of those things because it's one of the, it's, it is one of those problems that's happening way more than anybody wants to admit to. Because like I said, it's, you know, it's not reported. There's small reports here and there, but it doesn't get, I mean... 28 kids rescued last month. I would have had no idea if I hadn't just looked that up. I didn't know anything about that. And I live in Texas. I had, I don't yeah. remember that story coming out. It wasn't top of the news or anything. No. Yeah. According to this, another article that I read, another line stuck out to me. And, and I think these, these should be the blaring headlines of all these articles, but they always seem to be buried way down in like the, 20th paragraph yeah. and it says the pedophile ring included well-to-do businessmen politicians and other rich and powerful men who would take children to the island to have sex with them and make films that were distributed around the world yeah. that should be the headline yeah. who are these businessmen who are these politicians it always says that well-to-do businessmen politicians and other rich and powerful men who are they and why are they allowed to just skate away that's what i don't understand same thing with epstein same thing with dutro 
all of them are like, these are really, really powerful politicians. These are very, very well-to-do people. These are very rich businessmen who are involved in this. And then we never find out who they are. Which they should be. I mean, those are the ones that should come out. I mean, they're really quick to tell you about who, you know, shot who down the street last night and really push the idea of gun violence over and over again. But they're not going to tell us and give us the list, which they have from Epstein and, you know, Maxwell, the the lists of their clients and the people that were, you know, the, the pedophiles within our government and within our world. Dutro has a list. The Pizzagate, there were lots of names involved in that, but we were told, no, 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 the, the, that's, all, that's, that's all fantasy and fake, and it's a QAnon thing. Mm-hmm. And then you have this, and it's a, it, it is a constant story. And this North Fox Island, I'm amazed that I, I've never heard of it. I ran across it quite by accident, and I find it extremely disturbing and disgusting on every level. And what I really find particularly appalling is that we find these things, we're told it's just a one-off thing, but all the, the, the common denominator is rich businessmen, politicians, well-to-do and very rich pe- and powerful people, but we never hear their names. No. And why are they so attracted to this? What is they're rich, they're powerful, they have tons of money. Why do they need to arrange these disgusting vile acts with young boys? I don't or young girls. Like Epstein, it was all about young girls. It's one of those things that I just I don't get it either, because I mean my brain doesn't work that way. I mean the children should be protected. I mean, this is not something that should be done to children. Which, you know, comes to my brain and why I keep saying this is why these people's names need to be put out there. Because how do we know that, you know, if you're one of those people that knows the rich and famous people or whatever, and you're leaving your kid with someone that is named and know as a known pedophile to somebody out there, why aren't we being told? I mean, they have the whole idea now of, you know, is it because of the fact that once you're labeled a pedophile, you literally have to like register and they don't, you know, it's going to ruin their careers. Well, good. They should be locked up and throw, yeah. and the keys should be thrown away. I don't care who they are. No. And I, I want to close by warning all you parents out there or grandparents, or if you have nieces and nephews or what, whatever, you have young kids in your life who you care about. You have to guard them against this disgusting vile and in my opinion satanic act that these perverts and disgusting individuals are wanting to perpetuate on these kids because they are sneaky you see how they come in and under the guise of charity and we're here to help and we just want to be a big brother and if you know a kid who's in a vulnerable spot as far as like what they're looking for, no religious affiliation, broken home, absent father, drunk father, abusive father. That is still to this day who they're looking for. Yes. If you know somebody like that, be on the lookout for any, anybody, any, anyone who's looking to swoop in and help, quote, help them. I'm not saying all, all the people are bad. I'm not saying everyone who wants to help them is bad and they should live in you know, like a bubble or a closet somewhere. But you need to vet them, be involved in it, and ask questions. Yes. And especially if... It, because, look, I go to church. But a lot of this stuff happens at some of the churches. It happens at the boys' house. Places where it should be a sanctuary where nothing like this should ever come close. But these disgusting, vile human beings see an opening and they take it. Yes, they do. And they are groomers and they are slick and they are good. And 
they know that once they have those kids, they guilt them, they threaten them, they do everything they can to keep them under their spell. And once they've got them, it's really hard to get them back. This to me was not a fun episode, honestly. No, because it's one of those things. I mean, it brings me back to the whole idea of, you know, when we did Pizzagate, where it's like, I feel like I just want to go take, you know, a shower and just turn the water to as hot as I can get it just to try and get the disgusting off. Because the things that I've read about what these people did is disgusting. And every one of them, I mean, some people may not agree with me on this, but this is where they need to bring back burning at the stake. Well, it, it disgusts me towards my fellow man. Yes. And it causes me to really cast a doubtful eye on a lot of different people. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's, and it's the same old story. All these guys who got busted, like, Francis, Sheldon, and all his cohorts, same thing. They were nice. They were quiet. We were shocked. We had no idea. They were just the nicest people, and we thought that they were doing such a great thing you know, for the kids, and blah, blah, blah. It's the same dang thing. Yes. And that, to me, is frightening. Well, and I think the part that bothers me the most about it, too, is it takes away from it's one of those things that it takes away from people that are actually trying to help children. So now you second guess anybody that goes out of the way to want to help children. You you start having this horrible, like, you know, dark side of your brain that's kicking in going, um, are they trying to help the children because they really want to help the children or because they're a dirty pedo? And I think that's by design. I think that's why they infiltrate those things. And I think when you read over and over that they were wealthy businessmen, they were politicians, they were elites, and so and so, I think the conclusion I come to in all of our episodes about the Illuminati, all of our episodes about secret societies, and all all these things that connect, and now these pedophile rings, it seems to me that's the goal. Mm -hmm. Cast doubt on all these positive institutions, break them down, destroy people, destroy families, destroy communities, and it all goes into this overall, hey, we're just going to break this whole thing down and we'll be the last one standing and we'll get to control everything. Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah, this is just part of the overall plan. Yes, very much so. Because as we said earlier, this, these poor kids, and in this case, well, two of of the girls that died they were murdered, but at the island and in this ring that went on for years and years where they advertised and sent photos, these were all boys. How many of them either did the same thing, they had trouble with relationships, passed it on to their kids? How many lives has this destroyed or affected? We'll never know. No. Because I think it's a, a magnification thing. Um, hopefully, I mean, you're going to get some that are going to break the cycle. They're going to see what happened. They're not going to, they're going to break the cycle, but not all of them. And you're going to get the ones that, you know, they're going to continue. They're going to do it to others and then they do it to others and it becomes a vicious cycle and just keeps moving on. Yeah. It's really, really sad. Well, that's it. North Fox Island and the Snow Children. If you are, <laughs> if you have a strong stomach, and you are a little more curious. There's a lot of information out there about it. There's some documentaries on it. The, there's a lot of podcasts. We're not normally a murder mystery type thing. But this fits this overall narrative that we've been crafting for a while. Yeah, it does. And so that's why we wanted to bring this up today. And it just happened to roll into these, what they call the snow children, that mystery. But there's a lot of podcast and and vloggers who have really gone down the rabbit hole on those and that that's we don't that's not our thing no it's not so well i have the midweek show and uh, so i'll be back on wednesday 
And you and I will be back next Sunday with a brand new episode. Yes, In the meantime, will. everybody, uh, sorry if we brought you down. We'll be on a little lighter topic next week, hopefully. Hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> and email us down the rh at protonmail.com. And I don't want to have, I don't, this, uh, this is what I don't want because this happened before. If you're listening to this and you're thinking about leaving a review and you dare write in there that we sound like pedophiles, I will hunt you down. <laughs> Because that pissed me off more than anything yeah. else we've ever done on this show. Somebody left a, uh, a a review and said, "Oh, these guys sound like pedophiles." Listen to the way they're talking about the kids and stuff. And I was I, that really pissed me off. Yeah. So don't do that. <laughs> Anywho, uh, email us down the rh at protonmail.com. I'm Big D. I'm Brandon, and we're out of here. See you later.